A new book warns America is at risk, facing an authoritarian backlash as it moves toward a multiracial democracy and tyranny of the minority. Two Harvard professors take a look at why they believe America's democracy is being attacked from within. They argue the country lags dangerously behind other modern democracies and part of the issues like January 6th, but also because it hasn't taken any steps to eliminate minority rule. And that, they say, has allowed a minority to thwart the will of American voters. And joining us now to talk about this are the authors of the book, Stephen Levitsky and Daniel Zablot. Uh, Stephen and Daniel, thank you very much uh, for joining us. We really appreciate it. It's a very important book. And I, I think a lot of folks have been grasping to try to figure out, well, what is going on with our country? Why, why is uh, our democracy in peril, it, it feels like, uh, to a lot of Americans? Uh, but let's get to the title. Uh, because that, I think, we just need to get that out of the gate. What does tyranny of the minority mean? And I'll start with you, Stephen. Well, we are the only presidential democracy in the world where the president can lose the, the election, lose the popular vote, and become president. We are one of the few democracies in the world where the, a major legislative body, the, the Senate, uh, the party that loses the popular vote can can control and routinely does control the Senate. We are the only established democracy in the world where justices have lifetime tenure. There's no term limits. There's no uh, retirement age. So this set of institutions and others allows political minorities to systematically thwart and sometimes even govern over majorities very quickly. Think back to 2016. Donald Trump lost the popular vote and won the presidency. The, uh, in, in the U.S. Senate, the Democrats won the popular vote and the Republicans came away with control of the Senate. That president and that Senate went on to nominate and, and confirm three justices, which totally transformed the nature of the Supreme Court. Um, we have one of the very few democracies in the world where minorities, political minorities, can, can routinely block, thwart, even rule over majorities. Right. And, um, and, and Daniel, let me ask you this. You both argue in the book that the Republican Party has turned away from democracy. And rather than expel these anti-democratic extremists from their ranks, uh, that, that the GOP has essentially accepted and made room for them, uh, starting with the former president, of course. Um, how big is the authoritarian movement in the party right now, would you say? Is it the party? Yeah, well, you have to think that any to be a political party that's committed to democracy, you have to do three basic things. First of all, you have to uh, accept elections, win or lose. Second of all, you have to never use violence to gain power or to hold on to power. And most critically, in some sense, you have to also distance yourself from political actors who engage in those first two behaviors. And what's so shocking uh, and, and troubling about the current uh, dynamic in the United States is that we have a political party that's violating increasingly all three of those, and especially that last third category. When you think about mainstream politicians, you know, people who are business attire suits that look like normal democratic politicians are committed to, they look like they're committed to democracy. They sound sometimes like they're committed to democracy. But if they know that their allies are engaging in violence or engaging in election denialism, to, to accept that, to not condemn it, to not, uh, to not say we have nothing to do with that, that's unacceptable, is to enable an authoritarian strand within their own party. And just a final note there is that, you know, look, we've studied democracies and democratic breakdowns throughout history. What we've discovered 
is very often the enablers, those who look like semi-loyal, those who look like democratic politicians, but actually who are not, are the ones who ultimately get democracy into trouble. Yeah, well, and one of the things that we're covering today is how down in Florida, the Florida Republican Party has said they're not going to have this loyalty pledge anymore. That was what Donald Trump wanted. He, he didn't want to have a loyalty pledge in order to get on the uh, Florida ballot. Uh, let me ask you about this, Stephen. It takes me to my next question, which is, is a lot of this about Donald Trump? Um, if he becomes the president next year, what does that mean for the country? But if he loses, could that mean uh, that some of the problems that you're talking about, uh, that, that they might be alleviated somewhat? What do you think? It's, it's only partially about Donald Trump. As Daniel just said, what's really critical, a, a single leader, even a very popular demagogue like, like Donald Trump, cannot destroy a democracy by himself. It takes uh, the enabling of a political party, of a major political party, the, the toleration, the support, the protection of a major political party to, uh, to enable him to do a lot of damage. And so the, the problem is that the Republican Party leadership, even though in private they will uh, speak very badly of Donald Trump, continue to support him in, in public. And one reason that they do that, and this gets back to the minority rule side of, of our book, is that the Republican Party as a whole nationally doesn't have to win national majorities. It can win the presidency with, uh, through the Electoral College without winning the popular vote. It's lost the popular vote in seven out of the last eight elections, and yet it's right. won three out of the last eight elections. Same thing in the Senate. They don't need to win the popular vote to win control of the Senate. So a party that doesn't need to win majorities, that's protected, in a sense, by the Constitution, um, can get away with playing around with Donald Trump rather than looking for a candidate or looking for a platform that can win national majorities. And Daniel, I mean, that takes me to my next question. You, you, you both write that the Constitution is part of the problem here. Uh, you're proposing the elimination of the Electoral College, uh, noting that we're the only democracy in the world. And I, I do think it is worth underlining. We're the only democracy in the world that still has the Electoral College or that has an Electoral College. Let's talk about that. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, and of course, our Constitution is a remarkable document, and there's many great virtues to it. But one of the things we have to remember is that over the last, uh, since its founding, uh, we've improved the Constitution. We've, we've done the hard work of making our Constitution more democratic. Uh, you know, women got the right to vote at the beginning of the 20th century by amending the Constitution. We began to elect senators rather than appoint senators at the beginning of the 20th century. And our democracy has, stre has strengthened itself over time through amendments, through improving it. What's tragic in our view is that in the last 50 years, we've sort of stopped doing that work whereas other democracies have continued to make their constitutions more democratic. Since around 1970, we've abandoned that project. So what we propose in the last chapter of the book, we lay out a 15, uh, 15 uh, proposals for uh, institutional reforms that we think not only are essential, but are, you know, at, at some level are, are possible and would help us yeah. restore the kind of faith that we feel like we need to have in our democracy. And, and, and didn't we get close to getting rid of the Electoral College or there was some movement towards this? And uh, correct me if I'm mistaken, Richard Nixon, of all people, uh, sounded favorable to the idea. That might strike people yeah, as so being very strange. strange. Uh, Stephen, let me have you take that one. <laughs> yeah, we got very, very close to um, to abolishing the Electoral College. We often, because we, as Daniel said, we've stopped doing the work of trying to make our system more democratic over the last 50 years. Most of us can't remember a period anymore 
where we actually thought seriously about reforming the Constitution, but we used to do it. And we tried uh, and came very close in the late 1960s. The leaderships of both political parties supported abolition of the Electoral College. Richard Nixon, the AFL-CIO, the Chamber of Commerce, the American Bar wow. Association, the House voted overwhelmingly to, to, abol to uh, abolish the, the Electoral College. There was a majority in the Senate and something like 70, 75 percent of Americans in polls supported it. But it didn't get the two thirds that, that it needed in the Senate. And so it died. Minority rule was protected there, I guess. And I just finally, Daniel, uh, one last question to you. What do you say to uh, critics out there who might, you know, uh, put forward the argument that in some cases uh, you need to have the power of the minority protected uh, if the shoe was on the other foot and uh, Democrats were in the minority across the board? Might they want to have at least some say in how things are governed? I would, I would ask, is it partisan to think that the person who wins the most votes should win office? In no other domain of our life do we think majorities shouldn't govern. But we have this one single carve out, you know, in our political system. Where we, we, and so, you know, sometimes the Electoral College has benefited Democrats. Sometimes it's benefited Republicans. Sometimes the filibuster benefits Democrats. Sometimes the, it benefits Republicans. The point is, this, is that it's unfair. And so that's yeah. why we have a set of proposals that we think ultimately will help American democracy as a whole. All right. Well, I need to check out the book. It also reminds me of that line from the X-Files. This is America. The guy with the most votes doesn't always win. But uh, Stephen and Daniel, thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate it. Uh, check out the book and we'll be right back.